0: Hi Travelers! You can listen to us on your travels on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and more. Make sure you check out our link tree in the description of this episode where you can find the links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts. Okay, today is Friday, July 28th, and now we have Jalen Brown, highest paid NBA player of all time. What are you guys' thoughts on this right off the bat? Uh, The
1: contracts are only going to get higher from here on out with the NBA. Uh, More guaranteed money, that's for sure, when you talk about the NBA compared to the NFL, obviously. The union is much stronger. The players' union in the NBA is much stronger than the NFL players' union. That's why they're getting more money than the football players, let's say. Obviously, baseball being the strongest union, then – the nba but uh that's why they're getting that's why they're getting a lot of money and i think these contracts are going to get more guaranteed and more higher than just jalen brown jason tatum Mm -hmm. he's also up for an extension next season he might get he might get more money than uh his teammate there oh he's definitely going
2: to there's no question about it jason tatum next year is probably going to be the new highest paid player in the history of the nba like that Jalen Brown doesn't have a left hand and he's not even the best player in his own team, and yet he's the richest player of all time, which is amazing. But at the same time, he did average twenty-seven points a game last year. He is a very, very good number two prospect. But I'm interested to see what this does for the Celtics moving forward because they're putting base they're basically gonna have to go all in because Porzingis is getting thirty million a year. Robert Williams and Derek White are making a lot of money every year, fifteen about fifteen million dollars or so. I don't know what their flexibility is as far as going out and making trades or signing other free agents because you have to pay Jason Tatum. And Jalen Brown took advantage of what Kevin Durant and Mike Conley took advantage of in 2016, or I should say the Warriors took advantage of, and that was the cap spike because the cap spike never happens and Golden State didn't, would not have had any money to sign Durant in 16, and Mike Conley signed the richest deal of all time. So, you know, with the NBA TV deals coming up, they're just going to continue to – continue to swim in money and so these deals are going to get bigger and bigger like the worst players or mid players in the NBA are making 20 million a year so you know if you're playing catch in the backyard or if you're out going to football practice maybe dad should tell uh tell his son like oh no no we're going outside we're gonna shoot hoops because even if you're just average you're gonna make a ton of money
0: I was gonna mention (laughs) that yeah Mike uh another example of the best player really not making the another not the best player i mean making the richest contract uh, you mentioned mike conley Zach back in 2016 uh but yeah, i mean it's do you think uh the celtics can even, can even afford to pay jason tatum i mean with the salary they're gonna have terms? to I, yeah i mean they have to now you have mentioned to. we obviously have the jalen brown contract now i mean tatum has to make more than brown it's just you just can't have him make less than brown being the best player but I don't know how they're really going to be able to get it done with the salary cap concerned. I mean, I know there's the penalties that you can take, but like you said, Zach, it's going to definitely be a situation where the Celtics have to go all in. Yeah. Um, they're going to sacrifice
2: elsewhere. Like if they didn't think they could afford Tatum, then they wouldn't have given Jalen Brown the kind of money they are. The Celtics organization is not dumb. Brad Stevens is a very good general manager. Celtics are always in contention every year. They know Jason Tatum has to make more than Jalen Brown. And if they didn't think they could afford both those guys, then Jalen Brown wouldn't have gotten the money that he did. So I, I don't think there's any way that they're not giving Jason Tatum more money. But I think that's the big point is what are they going to do outside of the current roster they have? Like, they they basically have to hope that this roster eventually wins a championship, and they've been kind of waiting for that to happen for six seven solid years, or they've been in contention, but they've just never gotten over the top. But this is going to limit their ability to go get those extra bench guys that could eventually get them over the top.
0: It's almost the handcuff for the Celtics, really. I mean, like you said, Zach, they have to do so many things just to be able to make this deal happen. I don't. I mean, do you think Jalen Brown is worth that much money? Like, I, like you said, Zach, he he only has one hand to dribble <laughs> we saw yeah. we saw last year i mean he had a good season for sure don't get me wrong uh, uh career career best 26.6 points last year just under seven rebounds three and a half assists per game but i mean it's the first deal in nba history to reach over 300 million dollars uh in so a
2: vacuum i don't necessarily know that it's worth it but if you look at the whole landscape of the nba and you see the money that guys are making now and the money that guys will be making I think we'll look back on this in a year or two and see it as just kind of a standard contract you know everybody freaked out when Patrick Mahomes got 450 million dollars a couple of years ago now people are saying oh he's the highest paid quarterback in the league so it's an incredible bargain maybe we look look at this deal the same way in about a year or so I think people have to look at it from that standpoint of not what the contract is now but what it's going to look like in a couple of years
0: yeah and um you know Saquon Barkley just got paid Obviously, as well, we'll talk to Tom Canavan from uh, New York, New York Media. Talk about the Giants a little bit with him later on, but yeah, contracts going up, uh, in, insanely high every single year. I mean, NBA revenues at an all time high, TV deals at an all time high for the NBA. I think it's expected that the the, the the cap is going to jump 10% annually every yeah. single year for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Uh, max contracts are tied to the cap. I mean, the highest starting salary possible for most players are going to be above like 35% above the cap. It's going to be kind of amazing just going forward. These contracts are only getting more and more uh, ridiculous and it, it'll be interesting to see what Jason Tatum can come out with, uh, you know, when he finally does get that extension. Uh, but yeah. Or um, do you think the, celtics are i mean does this really get them over the hump though i mean Jalen brown we all know was coming back i mean i know they signed him and they lock him down now but i still don't know if the celtics are going to be the best team in the nba this year and it i it might not even turn out to pay off in the long run i mean the nuggets are still the best team i think in the nba they're pretty much running it all back next year and it's going to be a shame for them to put all this money into a player that you know might not even turn out to be anything Well. it it might not turn out to help them get to that next level.
1: Well, they lost definitely some talent in the offseason with Marcus Smart trading him to the Grizzlies. So uh, they definitely, they lost a few players, that's for sure. Lost a few guys from last year.
0: Yeah, I, I just don't know where the money's going to come from. I mean, Robert Robert Williams, Derek White, both making around fifteen million a year uh, for the Celtics as well. Uh, at this point, it's just kind of throwing money out and th- or throwing numbers numbers around. But yeah, we'll see. Good for Jalen Brown, though highest paid player NBA history uh, eclipsed uh, the last highest salary, uh, which was uh, Jokic back in two thousand twenty two. His two hundred twenty his two hundred seventy six million dollar contract. Uh, Jalen Brown uh, eclipsed that this week with his five year three hundred and four million dollars Supermax deal with the Celtics.
2: His last year is gonna make sixty nine
0: million dollars. Nice. That's insane. Yeah, Jeez. like you said, we gotta we got everyone kids, this is why our American soccer or men's American soccer team doesn't stinks. That stinks because everyone grows up wanting to play basketball and football. That's for, right. for obvious reasons. Another big contract this week, Justin Herbert, again, with the record books, uh, highest contract now five year, two hundred and sixty-two and a half million and dollars with the chargers, uh, deal includes a no, no trade clause, 133.7 million in full guarantee. And, uh, just under 194 million in injury guarantees, uh, again, highest two highest salaries, uh, both in the NBA and NFL, of all time this week. Pretty amazing. What are you guys thinking on Justin Herbert, though? Do you think it's worth it? Yeah, I'm not
2: surprised. Justin Herbert, the first three years of his career, you can make the argument, are the best first three years that any quarterback's ever had, as far as from a statistical standpoint. Obviously, the team success hasn't been there, but that's not entirely his fault. He's already thrown for over 14,000 yards, completed 1,300 passes, and he's thrown 94 touchdowns in his first three years and you watch him play the throw he can make every single throw in the book he's a good runner and he's not injury prone at least to this point so he- he's pretty much the perfect young quarterback prospect that you could want at this point now i think joe burrow is about to make more money than him and i think you can make the argument that right now joe burrow is a better quarterback than justin herbert i have no problem with the chargers giving herbert the kind of deal they did because that's the market again we talk about future salaries we're talking about the way the market's structured right now all these young quarterbacks are going to get paid Jalen Hurts set the benchmark a couple months ago with the amount of money that he made Justin Herbert is now setting that and then Joe Burrow is about to uh, I think pass that Uh, Lamar actually was the guy who had the highest salary with 52 million so Joe Burrow is about to pass that and I'm interested to see now what uh, Justin Herbert can do with you know Kellen Moore's offensive coordinator. They bring in Quentin Johnston. You've already got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, already a very good receiver core. I think we get too long before we talk about the Chargers and the AFC because they happen to play in the same division as the Chiefs. And by the way, Kansas City right now is sitting back and laughing because they have Patrick Mahomes as the ninth highest paid quarterback in the league and they're winning Super Bowls every year. But absolutely no problem with Justin Herbert's contract. He deserves it.
0: Yeah. You mentioned the uh, 14,000. Uh, uh, passing yards his first three years. That's actually the most in the NFL in the first three seasons. I think yep. Andrew Luck had, had that record before it was beat by uh, by Herbert. Uh, completed thir- you know, 1,300 career passes. Uh, I mean, I think he's his, you know, you mentioned his 64 total QBR ranks fourth in the NFL since his rookie season in 2020. You know, 94 career passes, as you said, Zach. Uh, recording three consecutive seasons with over, with at least 25 passing touchdowns. It's it's funny because he really, he's one of those quarterbacks who's really, he, he is probably one of the top, you know, at least top 10 in the league, but the Chargers always seem to be injured. And that's what kind of makes me worried about this contract is even though he's a great quarterback, the Chargers always seem to get chargered and injured and <clears throat> players just, they just have the worst luck ever. And you know, what are your thoughts on that? Justin Zach, just, yeah, we pay Justin Herbert a lot and he, you know, has a good history of staying healthy, but his teammates don't have a good history of staying healthy.
1: It could be the product of, of an injured team. It could be the product of a team that, uh, that does not get as far as Herbert wants to go and the chargers, especially want to go. I mean, with the injuries and, and, uh, you know, especially in the AFC, you look at all the quarterbacks and all the best teams are right there. If he were in the NFC, he would probably have a better chance of getting to the Super Bowl. Yeah.
2: Oh, there's well, no question about it. He might be the best quarterback mm-hmm. in the NFC if they play there right now. At the Chargers, I don't know who their training staff is, but remember how Justin Herbert's career started? Because yeah. they uh, punctured Tyrod Taylor. Taylor's lung in free game, so obviously the Chargers' training staff, their doctors, not particularly great at their job when you see what they've done over these last couple of years. But I mean, you can't pay, you can't not pay Justin Herbert because the rest of the team's getting hurt. That's not his, uh, that's his concern on the field, but it's not his concern when it comes to his wallet.
0: What are your guys' thoughts on this contract in reference to Kellen Moore coming in as offensive coordinator last four seasons? more ranked in the top four in points per game, uh, yards per game and third down conversion percentage, uh, definitely has a good track record as an offensive coordinator. But again, like we just said, the team has to stay healthy and we already know Herbert's a great quarterback and Kellen Moore obviously is going to offer even more expertise on offense, but his players around him have to stay healthy. Chargers also got, uh, Quinton Johnson this year. Uh, he joins a stacked wide receiver group of Mike Williams and Keenan Allen already. So yeah, chargers, one of those teams that has potential every single year. It's just, they, uh, they have to stay healthy. And like you said, Zach, I think if chargers would have stayed healthy these last three years, we might actually be talking about Justin Herbert a lot differently right right now. I mean, I think a lot of people look at this contract and they get kind of surprised by how big it is, but Justin Herbert, I think is worth it. It's just his teammates around him have to stay healthy. So we'll go uh, go to golf now. The Open Championship. Brian Harman uh, won his first major championship, winning by six strokes. A pretty uh, decisive victory. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on the Open Championship? Uh, at age thirty six, he is the oldest fir- he is the oldest first time major winner since Sergio Garcia. Sergio Garcia was thirty seven when he won the Masters back in two thousand seventeen. Um what are you guys thoughts on uh, Brian Brian Harman here when in the open this last I game? think
2: people forget how good of a golfer Brian Harmon was. I know he only had two wins, but he finished tied for second at a Masters a couple years ago, finished or tied for second at a uh a UPJ championship, tied for six at the Masters a couple years ago. So it's not as though he came out of nowhere, but I think the dominance that he showed was the surprising part. He never let anybody back in. it. He had, like, the five-stroke lead, six-stroke lead on Friday. And then Saturday's moving day, the weather got worse. Like, you're thinking a guy that has never won a major before, maybe he might crack. And no, he just maintained his lead. He putted very well. He hit the ball very well. Never really found himself in the position where so many guys found themselves in during the tournament, like the 18th and the 17th holes had infamous bunkers that guys would routinely put themselves in and have the, the big score. Brian Harmon never did that. He, mm-hmm. His worst score, I think the entire uh, tournament, I think he had a double bogey in round one outside of that, it was bogeys are better. And when you're at that course, that's your number one job. So it just a complete dominance, did a great job of just maintaining Um, his headspace didn't allow that lead to bother him. And Brian Harmon's a guy that made $30 million playing golf before now. So it's not as though he's a newbie, but very surprising, his level of dominance. Not that he won, but his level of dominance and the fact that, you know, the British fans booed him on Saturday and Sunday and he didn't let it get to him and he just shut everybody up and fantastic performance by Brian Harmon. One of the best major performances we've seen and one of the most unexpected major performances we've seen in a long time.
0: You always love having an American win the Open Championship. <laughs> oh yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Um, the Americans won three majors this year. Uh, John Rahm's the only non-major, non-American to win a major. and Won the Masters. True,
0: true. Uh, yeah, Harmon's kind of like one of those. He's analogous just like a six-man in the NBA. Uh, Definitely a really, really good player. People know his name. Uh, doesn't you know? Never s- is super flashy. Yeah, does anything super surprising but definitely a name that everyone knows is kind of always there and definitely contributes. Um, Just a little more more stats on Harmon. Uh, This is only his third title in his 12 years on the PGA Tour. Uh, His last victory was in 2017 at the Wells Fargo Championship. That's 166 tournaments over the last six years that he has not won a a tournament, let alone a major. Uh, Like I said, this was his first major victory. Um, yeah, took the lead on Friday morning with the second of the four straight birdies early in the second round. And after that, he never really kind of looked back. I mean, he was after, after he took the lead on, you know, Friday morning on the second day, it was pretty much the Brian Harmon show going, you know, going forward. He's now ranked top 10, uh, in he's now one of the top 10 golfers in the world, according to the the world golf rankings. So that's, that's pretty sweet. Good for him. Um, largest margin of victory in a major champ, uh, major tournament since Bryson, uh, DeChambeau, uh, six stroke win at us open in 2020. Yeah. I mean, sneaky, just a lot of sneaky stats, uh, here that a lot of people don't really realize. I mean, just how people don't realize, especially. You know, as tough of a course as Liverpool is just how much of a six stroke lead at a major championship is as a golf fan. It's kind of a shame to see that, that big of a lead, you know, we always want to see, you know sundays coming down to the wire and you know uh you know interesting endings but no this was not one of those uh, just a rainy sunday where we pretty much know who knew who the winner was going to be going into sunday but uh yeah great tournament great for brian harman let's go back to uh college sports here i guess i guess primarily a little bit of football colorado joining the big 12 uh this is again the big 12's kind of You know striving to compete with uh you know kind of kind of trying to to compete with the pac-12 and the being that uh top three conference alongside the sec so what do you guys think on the big uh the colorado joining the big 12 here
1: now i think there's now i think this is interesting here could there be just three big conferences or even two big conferences the sec obviously being one and then you have other teams joining the Big 10 uh, then the ACC now the Big 12 here with Colorado do you think that there could be you know let's say just three or four big conferences cuz you look at the Pac 12 the Pac 12's kind of kind of dwindling out there i think that there that there could be lesser conferences than we've had originally now the Big East i mean that was a that was a long time ago we don't. We don't have the Big East anymore. So college football conferences are kind of shrinking compared to college basketball conferences.
2: Yeah, I think the Pac-12's days are numbered unless they make a splash. And you know, with the uncertainty of the television contract, and you know, every the Pac-12. Basically, the the problem is the Pac-12 is dragging their feet, and the Big Twelve went out and got aggressive, Brett, You're Mark. You've got to give him so much credit. This is a conference that lost their two biggest brands in Texas and Oklahoma. And instead of crawling up into a bowl and waiting for everybody else to come pick off everybody else in the conference, he went out and got aggressive. He decided we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to add, you know, the, UCF, BYU, Cincinnati, and Houston. We're going to go out and talk about playing games in Mexico. We're going to talk about streaming games on different platforms. They have a vision, right? mark has a vision, and now other teams and other conferences are seeing this. And I like Colorado going back to the Big 12. It made more geographical sense to begin with. They never truly fit in with the Pac-12. And now what you're going to see out of the Big 12 is they're going to add another school like Arizona or Arizona State, UConn, I know has been talked about, but that would pretty much be for basketball purposes because UConn football doesn't really bring much value. It's amazing because the Big 12 was deemed dead For a decade, 2010, the Pac-10 almost became the pac So They almost took Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, and I think the other two were Texas Tech and Baylor. And then the Big 12 and Pac-12 almost merged a couple years ago. So the Pac-12 had numerous chances to kill the Big 12, and they didn't kill them, and now the Big 12 came back a stronger monster than anybody could have anticipated, and it looks like they're going to swallow up the Pac-12 now. It's just an incredible turn of events.
0: Yeah, Brett Jormack, uh despite being called the big 12 still wants the still wants the league to be 14 teams buffalo would be 13 and like you said zach another team is is to come most likely like arizona you, uh, uh arizona state utah you know like a four corner school to make kind of uh, make it a four corner uh conference there in the big 12 he you already uh, kind of alluded to it zach he he's really interested in bringing in a basketball school uh, like UConn, like as you already said or maybe even Gonzaga sure. which I think would be really really cool uh to I mean it would be kind of awkward being primarily a football conference and then having just one kind of lonesome basketball school in the conference as well like it would it, it, Gonzaga would be very weird in the big 12. I don't think that would really fit that well UConn I could maybe see I mean at least UConn has a football team but Gonzaga would just be kind of a dark horse and uh, just really really awkward in yeah because Gonzaga I
2: don't even know if they play football. UConn plays football. I think I'm not even sure Gonzaga has a football program.
0: No, I can't. I can't imagine. I don't believe they do. No, they're. They're. I mean, they might like Villanova. I. I mean, Villanova has like a football program. Like they're very similar kind of uh, Villanova and Gonzaga as far as size, but I mean they yeah. don't. They don't compete. Like the. I don't even know if the Villanova's football team is D1. They might even be. No, not. D2 or D3. But yeah, yeah they definitely don't D2. compete. You guys mentioned the future of the pac 12 um what future that, yeah struggling big big time uh struggling to maintain tv deals uh you know definitely on the brink of collapsing uh it could even be in the next three four years we see kind of the end of the big 12 a lot of the teams losing the uh, leaving the big 12 obviously we just have colorado do that but another part of the story is the big 12 kind of trying to compete with the acc to be that third major conference as i as i was alluding to a little mm-hmm. bit earlier, uh, they want to be that team that is up there with the Big Ten and the SEC in football. With Colorado moving to the Big Twelve, it seems that they are vying to be that third major collegiate conference. But yeah, I mean ACC kind of has to step its game up here uh, to compete with the Big Twelve because, like you said, Zach uh, Brett Yormack doing a really good job keeping yeah, the Big Twelve alive. So. Yeah, he
2: did. He went and got aggressive when he lost his two biggest brands. The Pac-12 lost their two – or not their two biggest brands because UCLA is not on that level like a Texas or Oklahoma, but USC certainly is, where the Pac-12, again, they just continue to drag their feet. And because of that, because they didn't go out and sign a television deal early the way that the Big 12 did, that's why the Big 12 is still standing and the Pac-12 is – Uh, on the canvas and kind of hobbling right now. I think there's room for both the Big 12 and the ACC. I don't think it's an either or. I think both those conferences are still going to be standing by the end of this because the ACC – I work in Louisville. I work in an ACC market, and I've heard enough talk about the grant of rights that I can pretty much read you everything about it verbatim, but they're pretty much stuck in the ACC until around 2036. So Until then, the ACC is going to be around for quite a while, even though Florida State and Clemson have uh, raised hell about – oh we want to get out like uh you signed a deal that's got 13 years left on it and i don't think you're gonna be able to break
0: it yeah it's interesting because acc is often thought of a, of a basketball conference uh yeah you know duke unc uva miami uh but interesting last season big 12 actually was the best basketball conference over the acc uh kansas kansas state you know we've had baylor obviously be really really good the last five years and ACC has, has no has has shown really no initiative to grow. Kind of as you alluded to, Zach, University of Maryland left in 2014. ACC has not added a single team since 2013, uh, when they added Pitt, Syracuse, and Notre Dame. Yeah, because yeah, the grant of rights doesn't allow them to. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's a uh, ACC kind of has to, you know, be, it'll be interesting. It's 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 definitely looking like it's going to become a power three uh conference uh scenario kind of structure it might even become power too it might just be get to the point you know 10 years 15 years from now there's only two conferences in football but i think or you know just college sports in general but i think we're still pretty far away from that um and we'll, we'll see what happens only other news i have uh in sports this week uh women's world cup uh underway uh well, I think USA is in Australia playing. I know it's, I know it's taking place in Australia and um, Switzerland. Am I right? I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. It's taking, it's taking place in two different countries, Australia and then one of the, you know, northern European countries. And that's kind of why you're seeing games on both early morning and late at night because they're being played in two different areas of the country or of the world. But uh, USA uh, is in Australia. First game uh tied with uh not yeah first game they beat vietnam um three finally uh, america
2: got a win over vietnam
0: yeah yeah ugly game for america though uh they allowed zero shots on goal but they also had a really uh kind of lackadaisical offense as well only 27 shots only 10 of those shots were on goal um you know lack of offense i think a lot of people were concerned but then USA really stepped it up with the Netherlands played a lot better against the Netherlands uh, tied with them uh, tied the Netherlands and uh, kind of as a rematch into the 2019 World Cup final but yeah I mean Outlook going forward they sit atop the group with uh, four points now tied with Netherlands I don't think there's much of a scenario where either the Netherlands and the USA don't kind of advance out of this group at this point I think port I think USA's next game is like Tuesday morning. It's like five o'clock in the morning against Portugal. Uh, not many people will be watching that, unfortunately, but, uh, but yeah, definitely, um, definitely we'll, we'll, we'll expect us to, to expect to lead this group and then head on to the, uh, elimination stages. Any other final thoughts you guys really have against, uh, USA? I
2: think that covers it.
0: Yeah. Like I said, bad offense in the first game against Vietnam. Definitely a little bit better uh, against the Netherlands in um, you know Game Two, despite having two less goals, uh, nine shots on goal in the first half, um, but then the defense uh, for the Netherlands definitely stepped up stuck, uh, stepped it up in the second half and made offense a little bit harder for the USA team, uh, and that's why we ended up in a tie at the end of the day. Uh, let's go makers and fakers of the week. Uh, Zach, do you have, who's who's your maker of the week?
1: Uh, it's gotta be
2: brian harman doesn't it this is a guy that was made that made 30 million dollars but most people didn't know his name and now he's a household name in the golf world and certainly a household name in the sports world with the dominant win at the british open last week so now you talk about elevating your profile and i don't know maybe that uh maybe now he doesn't live the best life possible where you have a boatload of money and yet people don't know your name now the good news is uh, he could probably still walk around without everybody knowing who he is but you got to give it to Brian Harman winning the British Open on foreign soil. Hopefully it's a preview of the Ryder Cup in a couple months where America just takes it to Europe, which they probably should because uh, the U.S. Ryder Cup team's going to be absolutely stacked. But uh, I think Brian Harmon has to get it this week.
0: Yeah, my maker of the week is Kylian Mbappe, saying no to Saudi Arabian money and preferring to play competitive soccer somewhere else. Uh, $332 million bid for the French forward uh, uh, with a one-year contract worth – 776 million dollars uh this again was from the saudi arabian soccer team or the soccer league i i'm not really the league itself is escaping me the name of it but no deciding to stay in the more competitive uh you know french league where he plays now of course turning down that saudi arabian money uh and yeah just good for him kind of like uh the tiger woods warrior mackle uh you know, offered stupid money to play somewhere else, but decided to play uh, where they've been at their whole time in the more competitive league as well. And ultimately, it's going to probably end up, you know, you know, going good for him. Uh, a lot oh, we stuff- also
2: have to we also have to get some to uh, Shohei Otani for throwing a shutout yesterday and then 45 minutes later hitting a home run. He hits two of them in the Game two of the doubleheader yesterday. I mean, I think we're just taking for granted what Shohei Ohtani does. Like, this is video game stuff, except video games wouldn't even let you have your starting pitcher go out and be a DH and hit two home runs and a doubleheader. Like, this is the stuff that, you know, Babe Ruth has gotten romanticized for, and he's still romanticized for, 100 years later. In fact, he was the best pitcher in baseball, and then he became the greatest home run hitter, arguably, in baseball history. And we're seeing that now in real time with Shohei Ohtani. It's just – It's amazing.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, we'll probably stay on the West Coast uh, next year. We're not really going to be able to see him on the East Coast. Uh, No matter where he goes, I know he does want to stay close to to, um, Japan. So uh, a lot of speculation that he's not really going to leave the West Coast. Most likely will be the Dodgers, unfortunately, if he does leave. Probably will be. Yeah, they have the most money. Makes sense. (laughs) Maybe even
1: Seattle as well. That could be another team to look out for.
0: My my point though is I don't think Seattle can compete financially against the Dodgers. No. That's that's my <laughs> only thing is so I, that's why I think he is ultimately going to end up leaving, because it's just they're not going to be able to compete uh, just with the amount of money the Dodgers will be able to throw at them. Zach, who's your Faker of the week? Uh, my faker of the week is
2: the American League Central. Oof, 54-50 and 50 leads that division right now. That's the Minnesota Twins. Uh, the Guardians are a game and a half out. The Tigers are 46-57, and 57, yet they're only seven and a half games out of the division lead. Like, Can we just give the AL East, like right now, the New York Yankees, everybody talks about how bad they look right now. The Yankees would be leading the AL Central right now, and they're in last place. In the AL East, you look at the West. The Angels would be leading the AL Central right now. The Mariners would only be a game out. Like the, they're, the East and the West are beasts of divisions right now. With the Orioles, the Rays, uh, the Rangers, the Astros, and then you have the poor old American League Central. Like, I'm sorry, Kim. Can we just not have them in the playoffs this year if they can't have a team with a winning record? I've said that in the NFL, too. If you don't have a winning record, I don't think you belong in the playoffs. If they don't have a winning record, I don't think they belong in the baseball playoffs either. They're just wasting a playoff spot that could be going to a more deserving team. The AL Central's big foamy.
0: Well, we talked about it before, um, how it really – I mean, it would be nice if they did it like NBA does it, where they just let the best teams, regardless of – well, they let, yeah. they let the best teams in each conference in, regardless of the vision, that would be the best way to do it. Because like you said, Zach, there really are. I mean, the set AL Central is just terrible right now. Right. Uh, it's just absolutely terrible. And, you know, for my faker of the week, I'm going to kind of continue on with the, you know, you, met, you mentioned the Yankees uh, in, the, uh, in the East there, the AL East. But uh, Mets and Yankees, they split the Subway Series this past week. Both teams uh, just really don't look good right now. I mean, you mentioned the Yankees looking... Better than the Mets do at least, but as far as the Yankees standards, definitely not playing the best that they can right now. Both fighting to make the playoffs, despite World Series aspirations prior to entering the season. So, yeah, Subway Series, um, probably it would have been nice if one of either the Yankees or the Mets could have came away looking more dominant during this series and kind of, uh, you know, give the fans something to look forward to going into this playoff push. But yeah, no, series split, both teams not playing very good right now and especially not playing to the expectations that they were expected to be playing at at the start of the season. Yeah, um, but until, uh, without further ado, yeah, we're gonna head to Tom uh, Canavan at uh, the Associated Press. He's a beat writer for the Giants. Gonna talk some Saquon Barkley with him. Uh, just the running backs, uh, future going forward, the outlook on running backs in general going forward. And then just the Giants' season in general, uh, where we expected, you know, where we expect them to be at next year, what they need to kind of improve on in the offs or, you know, in training camp, the best they can to kind of give them the best chance they can to, uh, make the playoffs next year. So without further ado, here is, uh, Tom Canavan. Okay, we now head to New York City and talk to Tom Canavan from uh, Associated Press, beat writer for the Giants for the Associated Press. How long has, has it been, Tom? Since you've been a beat writer for the Giants? Nineteen
3: eighty
0: four. Wow. Okay. So you seen... guys
3: were you guys even born?
0: No. Ninety three. <laughs> Ninety four. Ninety four for me. Two thousand one. I, I was born the year LT retired. <laughs> And Tom, we have a good, bad, and ugly this week. Uh let's start with the good first. Good for Saquon Barkley. Uh eleven uh one year eleven million dollar contract, two million sign on bonus. Uh let's start there. I mean, are you happy for this contract for him or are you kind of upset that he made a might have settled a little bit to get the deal done?
3: Well, first of all, the 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 two million dollar signing bonus doesn't bump this to eleven million dollars. The two million dollars is part of the 10.1 franchise tag, so basically all he got was an extra 900,000 in incentives, and that's has this big you know asterisk because if the Giants don't make the playoffs, playoffs he could hit all the marks and not get the money.
2: Yeah. So what changed because he had this big Zoom meeting and he was talking about not playing the entire season and all that kind of stuff. Did he really just decide to cave for? an extra $900,000 because it seems obviously that's a lot of money for us, but for professional athletes, it's not. So what, what changed?
3: Well, he said yesterday it was an epiphany. And I think the epiphany was, Hey guys, if I don't play, I don't make $10 million. So, I mean, it's a pretty, you know, obvious reason why he took the money because he wasn't going to get much more. Um, He had chances, during the uh, negotiations to make more. And he didn't feel it was enough then. And in 2020 hindsight, it was a bad choice. So you had no...
0: Go go ahead.
3: Well, whether that was him or his agents or a combination of both, you know, bad
0: choice. So you have no indication that uh, during the Zoom meeting, they they all came together collectively and said we got to look out for ourselves. We're not going to band together. You have, do, you, do you have any indication of uh, what went on during this Zoom meeting? What was talked about? Anything that you know might have came out of it? I think what they all came to the
3: realization was that unless we go out and prove our, our value this year, it's never going to change. So. Um, the only guy who I believe is not in yet is Josh Jacobs. And uh, other than that, you know, Pollard signed his tender a long time ago. And uh, it's up to these guys to show the owners that they're worth, you know, X amount. And I mean, it's never going to be like a quarterback. Um, It's never going to be like a defensive tackle. I mean, They're just, you know, they're dependent on the other 10 guys on the offense. And, I mean, they can be the best back in the world, and if they don't have a line, nothing's going to happen.
2: For even wide receivers these days, that's become a more glorified position than running backs have been. Do you think Saquon Barkley's case is a little bit different because he's such a vital part to the Giants offense? Like, you look at Josh Jacobs or Nick Chubb or Austin Eckler, a lot of those teams, the quarterback is the best player on that team. I don't think you can make the argument that Daniel Jones is better than Saquon Barkley. So you think his case is a little more unique him catching the ball in the backfield, doing things like that. Is he different than these other running backs in that sense?
3: It might be, but my, I don't think Daniel is at the same level as those other guys we talk about Mahomes and Herbert and, you know, you can go down the list, Lamar Jackson, but what he did last year was pretty amazing because he added the running element to his game. I think he had something like 700 yards. And when you think about it, Barkley had 1,312. So Daniel was half his total with a lot less carries. So, I, you know, I think they're interconnected as far as their value. And because they had no really good receivers – they became more important but they went out this year and got a lot of quality receivers.
2: You think Daniel's play is sustainable? You think you can do that again this year?
3: We'll see. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's if last year was the first step, you would hope this year is the second. Um my my concern about quarterbacks though is if they get hurt and when you run the ball there is that potential
0: you were right on it, Tom. I'm looking at it now. 7.08 uh, last year in rushing yards for Daniel Jones. Pretty amazing. I didn't actually know that. I, you, you, that actually that blows my mind. You could tell me he had 200 yards of rushing, and I would have believed you, because he's not really a quarterback that you really see running a whole lot. He's not really known for running that the ball, at least from when I've seen him play. Uh, I started this interview off with the good, the bad, the ugly. I said that uh, Saquon Barkley was the good. I actually meant to say that the Giants were the good and Saquon was the bad for maybe taking a little bit of a pay cut. Uh, Last year, uh, without Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones uh, had 230 passing yards uh, per game. I think it was like uh, 40 less without him. His TD to interception ratio was 44 to 17 with Saquon Barkley on the field and without him it's 16 to 17. So Daniel Jones definitely needs Saquon Barkley on the field with him, and uh, Giants definitely went out in this deal, and I kind of want to talk – to you about the Giants side here and just how um, vital uh, Saquon Barkley is going to be next year, particularly let's talk about it being a one-year contract. Are they, what are their plans, you know, going forward after this year? Are they just going to keep, you know, having this uh, contract battle every single year or are they trying to make long-term plans for next year when Saquon Barkley is going to be leaving?
3: I, I think what they, well, first of all, they can franchise them again next year. So if they do that, we're in the same boat. Um, that's why he wants to, it's incumbent on him to have another good year. Um, and the injury problems in the past always were scary. Um, so, I, I think what they've done though, is in getting guys like Darren Waller, the tight end, uh, Paris Campbell, Jamison Crowder, seeing, uh, Darius Slayton improve last year. um, I think that might open up things for Saquon. I mean, because if Daniels got more targets, um, that could make defenses do different things.
2: Do you think the Giants have gotten closer to the Eagles because they're the, the standard bear of the NFC East right now, maybe the NFC in general?
3: I think they're closer offensively, defensively, um, I think the Eagles are still a very good team, better than the Giants, although they did make one really good signing in Bobby Okereke, who is the former uh, Colts linebacker, who's a good That's run right. stopper. Yep.
1: Um,
3: and they were thought they were going to get uh, something as a run stopper with uh, Rakeem uh, Nunez-Roaches, but he got into a car accident on the day before training camp. So he's a little banged up, but he'll get out there um pretty soon but uh they haven't added as much to the defense as the offense
0: let's talk about that um what are the playoff hopes for the giants this year i mean re- it's going to be a wild card because i mean eagles are most likely going to win the division i mean I, we can't imagine eagles not winning the division um do you think this is going to be another year where the NFC East sketch three <laughs> wild card teams the
3: possibility i yeah. mean every year I look at the schedule and I say, wow, this is a tough schedule. And then three weeks into the schedule, I'll say, man, they're not as good as I thought they would be, or they're way better than I thought they would be. So I think the early part of the season is a guessing game. Um, So, I mean, are the giants going to make the playoffs on paper? I think they're a better team. Will that translate into a playoff? Will somebody get hurt? That's always the big X factor. Somebody gets hurt and it all changes. So, I mean, you know, I, I sound coach-like and say I don't have a crystal ball, but I don't know.
2: I, say, I we're think- going to find we're going to find out pretty quick, because uh, Cowboys, 49ers, Seahawks, at Dolphins, at Bills, Jets, those are in the first eight weeks of the season. So, yeah, and, yeah I mean, we're going to find out very quickly if the Giants are legit or if they kind of come back to reality a little bit. The second half of the schedule looks to be a little bit more manageable. If they can just get by, like – I don't know if they're four and four through the first eight. I think they probably feel like they're in a decent spot. Let's
3: come I back mean, to, Yeah, go ahead. I, w- I was going to say, yeah, you never, you never know. I mean, you know, you can go four and four and be very happy and, you know, suddenly you go four and five in the second half and you're not very happy.
0: Right. Let's talk about uh, Brian Dable. Do you think, uh, do you think he's going to continue to build on what he did last year? I mean, he changed the culture in New York. Uh, that that locker room last year do you think it's gonna uh, I mean just the amount of turnaround they had between last year and the year before that was amazing I mean what are your thoughts on it continuing this year do you think it's really going to make even another step forward the team the team going to make another step forward
3: I think he's a good coach Um, he reminds me of you know he has that relationship that Tom Coughlin, not Tom Coughlin-like, because he's more fun than Tom, Uh, but Parcells had a way with the players. Tom had his own way. But in the end, he was very good with them in his own way. And I think Brian is, if you watch him on the field, he enjoys being out there, but he's very – he demands, you know, excellence. And, I mean, you know, he's not micromanaging. He's got everybody contributing – and I, I like him. I mean, I think he's going to have, you know, potential to be a really good, good coach for a long time.
2: Yeah. I think last year when they went for two against the Titans in week one, that was kind of a message that he sent that he believed in them and then they ended up getting that they ultimately won the game. And it seemed like that that momentum kind of carried the rest of the way. So it really is just kind of an interpersonal relationship kind of thing with Brian Dable, as opposed to, I mean, Joe Judd's doing a quarterback sneak at the one yard line on third down the previous year. Like, Oof, that that was rough, but is it really that simple with Brian Dable? Like, I, I think his in-game play calling has been pretty successful as well. Like, how much of it is that? How much of it is managing the players and relationships?
3: I think it's the whole nine yards because Joe Shane also came in as the GM, and he's found players on the scrap heap who have been able to come in and produce. And I mean, it, it's very. Where I mean, I think Joe has done what Dave Gettleman was unable to do. Dave kind of threw money at a lot of you know good guys who just never lived up to the potential and and Brian has found people who fit the system and in, and, and I should say Joe has found people to fit uh, Brian's system and it, it's worked out very well.
1: I also, how about the uh, the draft picks? How do you think they're going to work out with Deontay Banks obviously being the first round pick, and uh, and the other draft picks as well by Joe Shane this year.
3: Well, the first this the top three I think are going to contribute right away. Uh, Deontay Banks actually had an interception yesterday, and he had they did some team drills, and he intercepted one pass, and he had good coverage on the second play. Uh, John Michael Schmidt, uh, Schmidt. I don't even know how to pronounce his name, it's, uh, he is uh, working, alternating with uh, Ben Bredesen at center, and I think at, at some point he will become the center. And the guy who's probably could be the biggest playmaker is Jalen Hyatt, and uh, he's raw right now. But when you watch him after he catches the ball, that is something. The guy who has stood out the most, though, is Darren Waller. The tight end they got in the trade with uh, Vegas. I was tempted to say Oakland. but uh, all <laughs> uh, Yeah. A- a- and the, the thing about him is every day in two days of practice, he's wide open every day. And, I mean, it's not for the defense, you know, letting him run free. It's he's getting open
0: let's go i know not to jump around a little bit but i i mentioned good bad the ugly when we first started the interview good for the giants bad for saquon barkley now let's go back to the running backs though with the ugly um they were making some momentum as we all know this off season they had the zoom meeting the the infamous zoom meeting we all know they were really clamoring for uh the owners to you know increase their salary you know give them more recognition for what they do on the field did Saquon Barkley taking this deal? Did it kind of set the running backs back a little bit uh, with the progress they made this year? And do you think that running backs will ever kind of get back to that 15 million mark that they really want to get to?
3: No, that, 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 that was a thing of the past. And unless they went back to, you know, Stone Age football and the back got it 35 times a game, that's not going to happen. Um, right now it's, quarterback wide receiver tight end driven offenses um the running back uh is a good contributor but he hasn't his level has dropped compared to the others
0: so i I was going to ask you um what 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 side are you on that discussion then so you think that running backs kind of are being paid what they should be being paid right now and they shouldn't really be paid that max like 15 million for the for the you know the star players of course
3: I think they're probably underpaid. Um, however, as a business, business person, you know, the market dictates how much you make, how much you pay for something. Um, and if the owners who are those people determining the price tag have decided that this is what we're willing to pay, you know, that's what happens. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not, it's not fair, but it's reality.
0: Yeah. The argument, I mean, it is kind of convincing for lack of better words, the argument, just how you can pay a lot of younger players uh, a lot less money for, I think they say what, like only 20% less of the production, which of course is probably not a hundred percent accurate, but yeah, I, I, mean, I, I do have to kind of fall on the side of the owners as well. Um, you can pay a lot of younger players and a lot of players that might not be as good as these top running backs less money for really only like i said maybe only 20 percent less production now that might not be the same for someone like saquon barkley or one of the big stars but the average of the male quarterback you can definitely play uh pay uh lesser talented players for probably just as you know almost just as much production if not only a little bit more a uh, little little bit less production but let's go back to say uh let's go back to uh daniel jones in reference to uh, Saquon Barkley signing now has a. We all know I mean, we've already said the stats at the beginning of the uh, beginning of the interview about how much uh, Daniel Jones needs Saquon Barkley on the offense. Is this kind of Daniel Jones's last year to really like prove the New York media that he has what it takes to lead the Giants? You know, further than just the first round of the playoffs. And if he doesn't, I mean, what are the New York media going to start saying about him? Are they going to start getting frustrated? Or are they going to start getting? Um, you know. Uh, you know, the impatient with him. What what do you what do you expect next year if you know, say they missed the playoffs, the Giants with, with Daniel Jones?
3: Well, my opinion on Daniel is he had a career year last year in my book. He did so many things. Uh he got them to the playoffs. Um I don't know. I I think what knowing him I think what he wants to do is prove himself every year. So he's not looking at the media saying, I got to prove myself to them. He's saying, I got to do it to myself. And no, one, I think no one pushes himself harder than he does. Um, like I said, though, he's not in that elite category yet, but he took a big step. And uh, I don't know if he'll ever get to that elite category, but if he stays at the same level, I mean, and they improve the people around him, specifically the defense, you know, this team, you know, can go somewhere.
2: Yeah. This is a unit that didn't have an offensive line, didn't really have good wide receivers for the first four or five years of Daniel Jones career. So I think some context was needed when people like to bring up all he led the league and turnovers and all that kind of stuff. But now it seems like he's got some weapons around. Do you think there's an opening for the Giants because Let's face it, the NFC, outside of the Eagles and maybe the 49ers, there's a lot of mystery. You know, the AFC has all these great quarterbacks and only seven of them are going to get to make the playoffs. Like, does that create an opening for the Giants perhaps to get back there with, I don't know if it's a weaker NFC, but top to bottom, it's probably not as strong as what the AFC presents right now.
3: Right. I mean, I a lot of things have to go right to get there, you know, that that final game. And uh, if the Giants, you know, the Giants still have positions they need help at. Um, So are they going to do it this year? I would doubt it. Are they going to make the playoffs? I think they have the talent. Um, Will they get past the Eagles? Uh, That's kind of iffy. But, You know, I don't think this is the joke team that it was the last
0: five years. Do you think uh, in trying to speak as unbiased as possible? I mean, I think Daniel Jones might actually be one of the most exciting quarterbacks to watch this year. Exciting in the way of um, his ability to grow. Uh, I mean, we already know what Joe Burrow is going to do. Josh Allen is going to do the rookie quarterbacks coming in this year. You know, we never really know what's going to happen with them, especially in their first year. They're still kind of developing and getting their feet wet in the NFL. But Daniel Jones, I mean, I think he has one of the – he has a potential to really kind of shine this year and really get to that next tier of quarterback. I mean, the next person I would think of along with him would maybe be Trevor Lawrence, but I think Trevor Lawrence kind of already may have got there last year. Uh, but Daniel Jones is one of those players that, that really hasn't gotten to that next tier of uh, play yet. But I think he has potential to really – to to grow, I mean, to get to that next tier this season, like I said, I mean, we already talked about it on this interview, but they got, you know, Darren Waller, uh, Jalen Hyatt, Paris Campbell, uh, I mean, Daniel Jones set a career high in passing yards uh, last year, as well as completion percentage, Uh, Brian Dable leading the culture on that team to a next level, as we said already as well. I think, I mean, do you agree with this, Tom, do you think Daniel Jones might actually have the biggest upside next year as far as just the ability, to, ability to, to grow and get to that next level?
3: Sure, I, I agree totally he has a big upside. Um, I, I, there's no doubt about that. Um, again, it's staying healthy. It's the whole team staying healthy. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's all there in front of him and the, certainly the desire and the hard work is there too. But again, it's... Uh, you know, it's like the crystal ball. I mean, you know, my crystal ball is always cloudy and when it's clear, it's cloudy. So.
0: led the Yeah. Led the team last year to the divisional round. Um, so definitely, I mean, I, I'm excited. It, again, it's just that NFC East is going to be tough, but if they can at least get somewhat of a nice positioning going and in, going into the playoffs, maybe not, you know, uh, trying to get like a nice first, uh, easy, uh, you know, relatively easy first or second round and try to get a little further in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if people were next year kind of talking about Daniel Jones uh, and how surprised they were about the leap he took uh, last season. Oh, so, absolutely. So you're the
2: Giants guy for the AP, I got to ask. This is a debate I'm having with my friends. Is Manning Manning Hall of Famer.
3: Two championships is very nice. Um, but he played on a lot of bad teams, too.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, so, he, put it this way, he's a full Hall of Famer in the way he acts off the field. He's a Hall of Famer in, you know, just being a good guy. Um, but I don't think he's had that meteoric year where it's just been always on the rise. He was a very good quarterback. Um, but it's, I think, the only reason he would get in is because he led the Giants to two Super Bowls. And but I, I like Peyton was a slam dunk. Yeah. Eli's not.
2: Right. Yeah. And he led the league in interceptions thrown three times. Like I could argue perhaps outside of two games or maybe just the twenty eleven season, he was largely a mediocre. I don't think he was ever a top five quarterback for sure in any season. Um, but is it possible if they just beat I don't know the Miami Dolphins twice in Super Bowls? So he doesn't even get in. Is it because it's Tom Brady and it's because it was the undefeated Patriots and then he did it again in 2011?
3: I mean he he stepped up on the biggest stages and pulled some of the biggest upsets. Yeah. So I mean, if if you're looking for a reason, that's it.
2: You can't tell the history of the National Football League without mentioning Eli Manning and the Giants. Oh,
3: absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, even how he came into the league was an interesting story because he didn't want to go play for San Diego and he, you know, they forced the, uh, the deal to the giants.
2: I'm surprised that hasn't been made into a documentary or something yet. I'd like to see that whole thing.
0: (laughs) Yep. All right, Tom. Well, this has been awesome. We really appreciate your time. Uh, Love having you on talking to some giants. I'll leave you with this question though. I'm on FanDuel right now. They have the win, win title for the wind win total. Excuse me, for the Giants as seven and a half. That seems a little low to me. Uh, they have the New York Jets as nine and a half. That might seem a little high to me. What are you thinking? I mean, do you think there's any chance Giants uh, can get over the Jets this year in win total, or do you think uh, that the, the Jets will just be that much more superior than the Giants with uh, Aaron Rodgers coming in?
3: My concern about Aaron Rodgers is health. I mean. he's what 39. I can't even, I don't even know what it is now. Mm -hmm. And he's missed games in recent years. Um, He's done a lot of nice things. He took a pay cut for them, you know, to help them get some money back in place. Uh, If he can stay healthy. Yeah. I think the Jets have a chance for a playoff for the first time in God knows how long, but um, you know, I think the giants are a better team than them yeah I don't, it's yeah. going to be good I, I don't i i think
0: we'll get a chance to see it during the season there is a game i will say i think seven and a half is too low for the giants i do think the giants oh. will get over seven and a half wins this year yeah that's what i mean, that's what that's what vegas thinks they're going to get though seven and a half which ah, i that that seems really low to me i i think i think giants is wind Uh, It's going to be about like nine, maybe 10 if they get lucky. But I think at least nine would be a safe bet for the Giants this year. Uh, You know, if they can squeak away, you know, at least one win against the Eagles and then maybe, uh, you know, if they can at least go 50-50 against their NFC East competitors, I think they'll have a chance to at least get nine wins under them uh, this season. Don't you think?
3: Yeah. Here's my problem. Um, I followed – Sports betting a lot. I'm not a better, but what I've learned in following them is when they set odds, they generally know what they're doing. So I mean, it's it's a sucker bet to sit there and say, oh, they're going to get more than seven and a half wins because you know what? If you look at the, the 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 when the games come out, the odds every week, you sit there going, nah, that can't they can't be favored by eight. Of course, they win by whatever. And or the other team comes, you know, it's mm-hmm. they're never that wrong.
0: No, no, it's amazing how, yeah, how Vegas always seems to only be off by half or one. Or it, it just the all the computer calculations that they do. It's amazing just how accurate they can be sometimes. But yeah. there's but, a reason there's buildings there and
2: there's a reason why all those people are very rich. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And, and
3: Justin, <laughs> what's your say on this? <laughs>
1: I think this is going to be an interesting year, and I think there's definitely going to be, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows if they win seven and a half games or more? Or...
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just the, I mean, it's funny. Mm-hmm. It, it's a shame for the Giants because really the mm-hmm. NFC is so bad, um, but the NFC East is probably, I mean, it's it's easily the best division in the NFC. and It's just a shame that the Giants find themselves in the best division but in the worst conference so it's just bad it's just bad luck for them i mean really i mean i'm looking at it right now and this will be the last thing we can kind of lead on but if they were in any other division in the nfc right now they would win the, the division i would say right uh, I and mean, not the west san francisco you don't, you don't think so no nah, I, I think better. oh uh, wait well, i guess san francisco and the west yeah but yeah yeah but even then it's just at least at least you know have to have a chance to yeah, com- compete, but Eagles are too good, and it's just gonna be hard for them to kind of get over the Eagles, I think. But maybe in a couple of years, we'll see. Um, we'll talk- put it this way: in in
3: January, we'll know.
0: Yeah, we always do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll 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 see. I mean, I'd love to see them. I would love to see them go for uh pretty far in the playoffs, but like uh, there's just so many variables, like you said, Tom injuries and uh just the matchups that you get and things that happen along the season that can kind of, uh, you know, tell a different story. Well, Tom, this has been awesome. I uh, really appreciate your time. Uh, any any last words you want to say about the Giants going forward? I mean, what, anything we should really be watching for that we haven't really talked about anything. I that mean, people are talking about mean, too just,
3: much. No, just play it by the ear. I mean, the, the thing with the Giants is they're, uh, they're a team that has potential and uh, whether they live up to it, We'll see. I mean, but they are better than they have been.
0: Definitely. Yeah. They're getting better just as the Jets are getting better. <laughs> Unfortunately, it kind of sounds, it's it's funny how it, that kind of happens at the same time. Uh, just as the Jets get better, the Giants get better or vice versa. But I guess there can't just be one dominant New York team. They both have to be getting better at the same time just to make the fans kind of crazy. But um, yeah, Tom, this has been awesome. Uh, anyway, again,
3: Great. And uh, and I need my second cup of coffee. So I'm zooming you guys out. All right.
0: <laughs> go get it. Get, get that cup of coffee. I will too, actually. So Thanks. Yeah. Tom. Take care. All, All right. right bye bye. Do it again sometime. See you. See ya. That interview was brought to you by Philly Drinkers. The Continental Sports Podcast has partnered with Philly Drinkers, the go to place for the greatest sports clothing that you can get your hands on. They specialize in partying hard and looking great while doing it. Owned and operated by diehard sports fans, they don't just love sports, they love what sports stand for. Most importantly, they understand that you always want to rep your favorite team anywhere you go, whether it be a sporting event or grabbing a couple drinks with the guys. Their apparel and products always have unique designs and slogans, all while bringing out great vibes. Head to phillydrinkers.com today and get your one-of-a-kind merchandise. Philly Drinkers, always party. Okay, let's finish up the show with our off-the-map and long-hauls of the week. Zach, who's your off-the-map of the week?
2: My off-the-map of the week, the Milwaukee Brewers, now in first place in the National League Central. Everybody's talked about the Reds and deservedly so these last couple weeks, but now the Brewers are getting it done at home. And believe it or not, this is a team that's getting outscored on the year, as are the Reds. You look at the National League Central – The only team that's outscored their opponents this year is the Cubs and they're in third place, which is amazing to think about. But you look at the Brewers roster from top to bottom, nothing stands out in particular, but they play well together. Um, You know, Boy Adams has had a strong season. Obviously, Christian Yellick is the guy that everybody talks about. Their pitching staff's gotten significantly better. You look at what they've done against the Reds now, they're 13 and 5 against them. So if they end up tied at the end of the year, the Brewers would win the tiebreaker. So that's something very important to pay attention to. You know, we're all talking about the East and the West teams, and deservedly so. And I crapped on the AL Central earlier. So let's give an NL Central team a little bit of credit. The Brewers beating the Reds uh, for the last five deserves a lot of credit. So, they're my off
0: the map of the week. Awesome, yeah. I'm gonna go with PJ Fleck in the Minnesota football program. <laughs> uh, former Minnesota football player described Coach Fleck's program as a cult, alleging the program's culture is fraught with intimidation and toxicity. Uh, this is coming off the uh, off the uh, Northwestern scandals that we've had, obviously, and some other uh, college football uh, look into that we've had this past week as well. Uh, the allegations state that Fleck interfered with medical protocols by seeking for injured players to return earlier than anticipated and by, quote, minimizing the seriousness of some pretty horrendous injuries. Uh, you know, like I said, comes off the Northwestern, uh, another, you know, Big Ten school. So, yeah, uh, definitely not a good, good sign. Uh, Fleck has denied these allegations, obviously, but with with the rise of issues like this, if uh further further investigations are definitely imminent uh this is opening up a floodgate for sure in the college football programs like I said we've already had other schools kind of being looked into this week and you know having some minor stories come out this week about college football programs I mean you look at John Hardball kind of a different I different story it wasn't necessarily hazing or uh, misdemeanor per se but uh he yeah. might be suspended
1: for the first four games of the season they're talking about
0: yeah who's that John, John uh, Jim Harbaugh. Jim, Jim Harbaugh. Jim, yeah, Jim, yeah. Jim, Jim, yeah, Oops, I always get them. Eh. I always get them mixed up. But, yeah. No, it's interesting. Uh, definitely this whole – you're going to – I can only – I'm going to predict that a lot of stories are going to be coming out, you know, in the next month and then into the season. Just about different college programs uh, doing, you know, hazing, uh, mis-co- coach misconduct like this because, you know, Northwestern, Minnesota they're definitely not the only teams that are doing I don't think Minnesota
2: belongs in the same sentence as Northwestern from what I read none of that is even all that scandalous like is it weird yeah but is anything worth getting up in arms about not really
0: yeah I mean well again it's like I said it's he people act like Minnesota's the only team that does this and has a coach that makes players play and even when they're injured and you know, expects a lot out, expects a lot out of their players and pushes players hard. Like Fleck is not the only coach that does this. <laughs> so when stores like this come out, it kind of makes me laugh because every program is like this. And if you look hard enough, in, it's like one of those scenarios where if you look hard enough into anything, you're yeah. going to find things to write about. Sure. Um, but yeah, uh, Zach, use your long haul of the week.
2: Yeah, it's the NCAA. It, it, let's go after them. Jim Harbaugh getting suspended. Look, I'm an Ohio State guy. I hate Michigan with every fiber by being. The fact that he got suspended for four games and Tennessee is been getting off pretty light. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Like, yes, he lied about it, and that needs to be remembered by people, and I think it's getting misreported that he's getting in trouble over a cheeseburger. But the fact of the matter is, what he did, the allegations are not nearly as serious as what's going on at Tennessee or what's going on at Georgia where they've got players driving 150 miles per hour and you know a staff member died during the offseason and all that kind of stuff. Like, let's put things in its proper perspective. I don't like Jim Harbaugh, but I don't think he deserves the four-game suspension. But if you're going to suspend him the four games, their first four games are East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers that's Easy not wins. a that is not a suspension that is a vacation that he doesn't have to coach those four games like if you're going to suspend a guy suspend him and hurt him where it matters most like suspend him for like Penn State or Ohio State or something like that the NCAA has no no sense to them whatsoever they basically have no power at this point and you know vacating tennessee wins from 2019 to 2020 vacating wins is the stupidest punishment because we all remember those games happen like mm-hmm. they vacated louisville's national title in 2013 does anybody think michigan won the title that year no yeah. like they vacated Reggie bush's heisman trophy which is ridiculous give Reggie his heisman back they vacated usc's national championship we all saw the games don't insult our intel their intelligence the ncaa is just a it's a joke, and it's the most corrupt organization, not named FIFA, in the history of the world, yeah. in the sports
0: world. And teams that get wins and titles from it being taken away from other teams, they don't even want. They don't even want them. Like if you were, if they you don't were, give them to anybody. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. But even the recognition, like no one, like you said, like no one said Michigan won that year. You know, when no. it was taken away. So, yeah, it's. It's yeah, like I I agree that is that is one of the dumbest penalties that you can possibly do is having wins and titles taken away from teams because there's obviously video footage of that not being the case and people will rem- remembering what actually happened. Believe it or not, if you type in
2: Reggie Bush highlights into YouTube, they still exist.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, uh, nothing. Yeah, What's on the internet can never really leave the internet, especially uh, you know, Reggie Bush highlights. So, my long haul. We already kind of talked about it uh, a little bit ago, uh, Zach. Uh, Shohei Otane, Um, I'm tired of hearing about his trade rumors. I, I know this past week, uh, Angels kind of came out and said that, you know, he's taken off the trade market. Uh, a lot of people are more concerned about his future team than his current performance uh, that he's doing. You already alluded to it, Zach, earlier. I mean, he's breaking records left and right, becoming one of the best players in MLB history before our eyes. But... It's a shame because people are more focused on what team is going to be on next year than what he's actually actually currently doing. So that's my my long haul of the week. People need to stop focusing on his future as much and really more on what he's doing right now. And I'm tired of hearing about his trade and where he's going to go next year. And I'm I'm spending all my energy actually paying attention to the records he, that he's breaking right now. Uh good show guys uh we're gonna you know head out now Uh, but good show we'll uh, we'll do this all again next week zach enjoy your vacation next week we'll see you when you get back yeah Yeah. but, but until then everyone uh keep on traveling and we'll see you when we see you next week